First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. So if you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, do you turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. And again, I cannot tell you how excited I am to be back with you today. Between my son's uh, eye surgery and then COVID coming in right after that, uh, I have not uh, been here with you since all the way back on December the 6th. And so this is uh, just about the longest I have ever been uh, out of the pulpit here and of course, we know the Lord is, is sovereign over all of that. I'm so thankful for uh, the brothers who have preached uh, in my absence the last several weeks, uh, for uh, Brother Larry and Pastor Jason Shack and Pastor Aaron, who shared at our uh, outdoor uh, Christmas Eve Eve service that we had, and then uh, Jared Rhodes last week, and uh, they all did a tremendous job. And I'm so thankful uh, to each of them, as I know you are as well. Uh, but I don't know if I've ever been more excited to, to be here to see you all again and to be able to open God's Word with you today. Uh, I do hope you all had a wonderful uh, Christmas with uh, your families. And uh, because of your prayers uh, for me, I was able to come home uh, from the hospital on uh, Christmas Eve and able to enjoy a Christmas morning with, with our boys. And uh, Megan and I uh, usually will have, uh, you know, one larger gift for, for each of our boys. And sometimes we'll do... Uh, a little little scavenger hunt while write out you know some clues and they have to find you know three or four or five different clues around the house and around the yard you know to, till they finally discover their uh, their presence it's kind of fun watching them run around to do that and so uh, this year we did that with uh, with our second son Micah and uh, his big gift this year was a drum set I know all the parents are saying, no, what are you thinking? Why did you do that? But, um, but it's going to be okay because we, act, we put it in the shed in the backyard. And so really we consider it just a, just a gift to the neighborhood is really, really, you know, what, what it is. And so, uh, you know, as, as I went out there and was able to listen to, uh, to Micah play some of these rhythms that he's been learning in uh, his drum lessons, uh, just a thought about this series and, and just the fact that, of course, all music has a rhythm to it. It might be a, a straight, even rhythm. It might be a, a syncopated rhythm. It, it might be fast. It, it might be slow. It might speed up. It might slow down as the song progresses. But, but music has a rhythm to it. And just like music has a rhythm to it, life has a rhythm to it as well. And there are certain healthy, God-given rhythms that he has given us as a part of life. And those rhythms help strengthen us. They help sustain us. They help propel us forward in our spiritual lives. And we're going to spend the next four or five weeks talking about some of those rhythms. We're going to talk about the rhythm of worship, the, the rhythm of our family lives. And talk about the rhythm of serving and sharing Christ with others, the rhythm of work and of rest. But today we're going to talk about what I believe is the most important rhythm of all, and that's the rhythm of our personal devotional life with the Lord. And of course, we know that 2020, uh, it, it changed all of our rhythms. There are no rhythms that were unaffected by uh, 2020. And so I'm excited about this series and, and where it falls right here at the beginning of this new year as we seek to reestablish some of these healthy rhythms in our life. Now, all the messages in this series are going to come from Colossians chapter 3 and 4. 
And so more or less over the next uh, several weeks, we're going to be doing a selected study of Colossians uh, before we get back to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Acts in February. Uh, Paul wrote this letter to uh, the church in the city of Colossae from his prison cell in Rome. And what's neat about Colossians, just like the book of Ephesians, is that the first half of the book is, is very doctrinal in nature. And the second half of the book is very practical uh, in nature. And so in the first half of Colossians, Colossians 1 and 2, uh, Paul is giving us a lot of doctrine, a lot of sound teaching about who Jesus Christ is. If you've studied this book, you know there were some false teachers who were coming in and saying all kinds of things about Christ that were not true. And so Paul is writing to correct that. He's writing to remind this church that Jesus Christ is the very image of the invisible God. That Jesus Christ is the head of the church. That he is preeminent. It means he takes first place in everything over all creation. And so in Colossians 1 and 2, Paul wants to remind us about who Jesus is, but he also wants to remind us about who we are if we are in Christ and if we know Christ. Now, we won't take time to read all of these verses, but if you just follow along in your copy of the book of Colossians, you look in chapter 1, verse 12, Paul says that if we know Christ, we are now partakers of the inheritance of the saints. He says in verse 13 that we now have forgiveness of our sins and redemption in Christ. Verse 21, he says we've now been reconciled to God even though we were his enemies previously. Verse 27, he writes that Christ is in us, the very hope of glory. In chapter 2, verse 10, he says that we are now complete in Christ. What a great truth that is. In verses 12 and 13, he says, we've been buried with Christ, that we've been raised with Christ, that we are now alive together with Christ. In verse 14, he says that all of our sins have been taken away and been nailed to the cross. All of this and more is true of you, true of me. If we know Jesus Christ in a personal way. And so before we even get to our main text for today, just based on the whole book of Colossians, here's a truth we need to hear today. You can be new in Christ this new year. You can be new in Christ this new year. I don't claim to know where everybody is in this place or listening online right now when it comes to your spiritual Life. There, there may be some of you just decided to come today, maybe because it was the first Sunday of the year and you wanted to, to try something new. But maybe, maybe you're here, though, and you, you would say, I, I wouldn't describe myself at this point as a Christian or a follower of Christ. And if that's you, friend, I want you to know your life can change, and it can change today. And it can change because God who made you loves you. And even though we've all sinned against him and, and our sin Uh, separates us from a holy God. Because of our sin, we deserve the judgment of God. We deserve the wrath of God. In fact, we even deserve an eternity in hell separated from God. But because of what Jesus Christ did for us, because of his death on the cross where he experienced the hell that we deserve, we can have heaven instead. And the Bible says all we need to do to receive that gift is to turn from our sin and put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. You can do that today. And he will change your life. This year will be like no year you've ever had before because you can be new in Christ. Uh, Of course, I know there are many who are here watching right now that uh, already know Christ in a personal way. And if if that's you, then 
here's the truth I'd share with you. If you are new in Christ, then live new this new year. Live new this new year. That's really the message of the book of Colossians as a whole. Uh, Paul reminds us of who we are in Christ. And then as he moves to chapters three and four, the latter part of this book, he's saying we need to live out who we are in Christ. If we're new, we need to live like new people. Beginning of chapter three, he says, if you've been raised with Christ, then fix your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He goes on to write about how we need to take off our old life and our old lifestyle that we used to live before we came to know Christ. Then he says we need to put on a a new man, a new life in Christ. And in this series, we're going to study from chapter 3, verse 12. He begins to write about that new life all the way down to chapter 4, verse 6. Again, over the course of the next several weeks. Specifically today, we're going to look at two verses in this section. Chapter 3, verse 16. In chapter 4, verse 2. Let's read those together as as we get started. Chapter 3, verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And then skip down to chapter 4, verse 2. He writes, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Let's pray before we go any further today. Father, we thank you for your word. And we do thank you for this new year. And we pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts through your word. That, Father, even in this area of the word and in prayer and our devotional life with you, Father, would you draw us closer to you this year than ever before. And help us to hear from you even today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we're honing in today on what is the most important rhythm of all, the rhythm of our personal devotional life with God. And when you think about that word devotion or our devotional life, there's really two main rhythms that are a part of our devotional life. There's the rhythm of the word, which is hearing from God. And there is the rhythm of prayer, which is speaking with God. And we're going to start with the word, the rhythm of the word, the rhythm of hearing from God. Again, if you look up in chapter 3, verse 16, we're going to focus on the beginning of that verse. We'll look at the end of this verse more next week and the corporate aspect of worship. And of course, when we talk about the word dwelling in us, there is a corporate aspect to that as well. It needs to dwell among us, even in our times of worship. Again, we'll address that next week, but it also needs to dwell in us individually in our lives as a part of the body as well. This verse says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Now, what is the word of Christ? Well, ultimately, the word of Christ is the word of God. It is scripture. Uh, Now, at the time that this letter was written, some of the gospel accounts Uh, had not been written by that time. And so it's possible that Paul is also referring to the teachings of Christ, which at that time were being passed down orally from the apostles to the rest of the church family. But of course, now we live on the other side of the gospel accounts having been written. The accounts that we call Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four accounts of the life of Christ. And so we have that word of Christ. We have the rest of the scripture, which is really a word of Christ. And we need to remember that whenever we read the Bible, we are reading a word that is from Christ. We are reading a word that is about Christ. 
We're reading a word that is designed to point us to Christ. That, that is why one person referred to the scripture as the Christ word. And really that is what it is. Paul says, let this word dwell in you. He doesn't just say to read it. He doesn't just say to listen to it. He says to let it dwell in you. The, the word dwell literally means to be at home in your life. You know, something we don't talk about probably as much as we should is, is the importance of hospitality. And I think in our culture today, when it comes to sharing the gospel, uh, hospitality, opening up your home and your life to people, open so many doors uh, to be able to share the love of Jesus. And, uh, you know, we're all called to, to be hospitable, but we know that there are certain people that just have the gift of hospitality. There, there are people, some of you, I'm sure, who would say, I just love that. I love having people over. And people have that gift of hospitality. You know, when you walk into their home, you, you feel at home don't you? I mean, you, you, you want to stay, you feel uh, relaxed, you feel comfortable, you don't want that time to end because they've helped you to just to feel right at home. Now we know there's also other people who maybe aren't quite as gifted in that area of hospitality, you know, and you kind of walk into their home and you're not really sure if you want to set your bag down or take your coat off because they're kind of giving you every vibe that they really don't want you to stay very long, right? And so, so there's, there's some, some hospitality and some maybe a little, little, little not so much. And so sometimes you feel at home, sometimes maybe you don't feel at home. But, but here's the question I want you to think about. Does the Bible feel at home in your life? Does the Bible feel at home in your life? Now, you, you may say, well, that's a strange question to ask, but, but that's what we're being commanded here, isn't it? We're, we're being commanded to make our lives and to make our hearts a place where the Word of God is right at home, where the Word of God belongs, where we have given it ample room to come in and, and, and rearrange the furniture and do whatever the Word of God needs to do in our hearts and in our lives. Now listen, the Word of God is not right at home, and the Word of God doesn't have ample room when we treat it like an unwelcome guest. When we leave it sitting over in the corner, or sitting over on the nightstand table, when we never or rarely read it, I came across a study that said that uh, only 18% of born-again Christians read the Bible every day. That's less than one in five. That same, same study said that one in four, 25% of Christians, admit that they never read the Bible. And if that's our relationship with the Bible, then we are not living out Colossians 3.16, are we? The Bible is not at home in our lives. It is a stranger. You know, and I found that the more that you invite somebody over to your house, the more that they spend time in your house, the more they feel at home in your house, right? It's only natural. And so for some of us, if we want the Bible to feel more at home in our life, we need to invite the Bible over more often, don't we? Right? We need to have the Bible over more often. We need to have it be a regular part of the daily fabric of our lives where we're reading it, where we're talking about it with one another, where we're seeking to live it out. That's why Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word richly means abundantly. We, we don't want just a little bit of the word of God in our life. Uh, we, we want a lot of the word of God in our life, right? We want to be so full of the word of God that if somebody pokes you, you ooze Bible on them, right? That should be our goal. We've said many times already today, 2020 was such a strange year, a crazy year, and so many unexpected things. But the question is, how did we respond to all of that? 
Where, where did we go? Where, where did we turn? This past year, did you spend more time in the Word of God or less? Was your thinking in 2020 more controlled by God's Word or less? And not everybody for sure, but, but a lot of people had some more disposable time in 2020 than in a typical year. And yet, how did we use that time? What did we do with it? Well, unfortunately, studies have shown that what a lot of people did is spend more time online than ever before. A lot of people spent more time vegging out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram than ever before. People spent more time binge-watching shows on Netflix than ever before. People spent more time consuming things from different news sites, especially as the election drew closer than ever before. And if, if that's how we spent our time in 2020, then Really, in 2020, instead of the word of Christ dwelling in us richly, for many of us, it was Fox News that was dwelling in us richly. For, for some of us, it was Facebook and Twitter that were dwelling in us richly instead of the word of God. And if that is the case, if the majority of the words that we are hearing are not his word, then over time, our thinking and our talking and our living begins to resemble the voices that we are allowing to fill our hearts and our minds. And so, friends, this new year in 2021, let's do something new. Let's let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Let's make that one of our rhythms this year, the rhythm of the word. And we're going to talk in a few minutes about how we can practically do that Every day. So again, we said there's two main rhythms, a part of our devotional life, the rhythm of the word, of hearing from God. But number two, there's also the rhythm of prayer, the rhythm of talking with God. And Paul speaks about the importance of prayer again down in verse two of chapter four. He writes, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Now notice this is a command to pray. Uh, prayer is a, not an optional thing in the life of a Christian. In fact, I would say this, that in, this, in truth, a prayerless life is the life of a practical atheist. Now, we might say that we believe in God and we trust in God, but if we never or rarely pray, then we need to accept the reality. We are living like someone who does not believe in God. Prayer should be as natural to the Christian life as breathing. And now when I say that, I, I don't mean by that that all of our prayer lives or even my own prayer life is exactly where I want it to be. I, I don't think I've ever met a Christian actually who has told me that, who has said, you know what, my prayer life is 100% where I want it to be. And, and I, I, sometimes it's a struggle. And I think there's a lot of reasons why our prayer life can be a struggle. One of those is a spiritual reason. And that's because prayer is spiritual warfare. And we have an enemy who wants us to do anything else but pray. He's okay actually with us coming to church and hearing a sermon and going to Sunday school class and serving and doing different things as long as we never pray. Because there is spiritual power when God's people pray. And so there are attacks upon our prayer life. Also, part of the reason why we struggle in prayer is because like Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And prayer is hard work. There are times where we start out in prayer and then we lose our energy. We lose our focus and we kind of drift off, begin to do something else. I think also a reason people say that maybe their prayer life isn't where they want it to be is because we all know that our prayer life could be better. We all know that we could use more time with 
the Lord and that that would be beneficial to us. And so for all of these reasons and more, I think most Christians would say that their prayer life could improve. And in this one verse, Paul really gives us some key characteristics of a healthy prayer life. First off, he says, continue earnestly in prayer. The word earnestly means to be persistent. It means to stick to it. It means to be devoted to it. So first off, church, let's be devoted in prayer in this new year. I think this is a good place to just kind of do a time out and, and just evaluate. You know, could you use that word devoted to describe your prayer life in 2020? Would you say your prayer life has been devoted? I, I know we're devoted to many things, aren't we, in life? We're, we're devoted sports fans of our favorite team, right? We're, we're devoted uh, readers of our favorite authors. We're devoted to our favorite shows. We're devoted to our children or our family, of course. But are we devoted in prayer? Let's not be Christians who are devoted to a hundred other things, but haphazard and half-hearted when it comes to the way that we pray. Let's be devoted in prayer, earnest in prayer. And if we do, I don't think we'll come to the end of 2021 and say, uh, I wish that I had prayed less than I did. I don't think any of us would say that. I think we'll be grateful for every minute that we spend with the Lord in prayer this year. So let's be devoted in prayer. Then Paul says, let's be alert in prayer. Alert in prayer. Verse 2, he says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it. The word vigilant means to be alert or, or even to watch. It's the same word that Jesus used in Mark 14 when he said to his disciples, watch and pray. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And then as we just quoted, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. To, to keep watch can also be translated to stay awake. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of how many of you have ever fallen asleep when you have been praying. But let's just say if I did that, I would have to lift my hand up as well. And so that's why sometimes I stand up and I walk around when I pray. Or I'll walk around my neighborhood or I'll walk around the church when I pray. Uh, just, just to keep awake, to keep alert, to keep my mind going and focused on what I'm praying about. But I don't think he's literally talking about not falling asleep when you pray here. I think he's talking about not being spiritually asleep when it comes to your prayer life. He's saying that our prayer life should not be something we sleep through. Our prayer life should be something that we are vigilant about, something that we are alert about, that we're even attuned and alive and alert to the things that we should be praying about, particularly when it comes to God's mission in the world and what he is doing. And we need to be alert and focused on that. You know, people who are uh, day traders, in the stock market, we have several in our church who do that for a living. You know, they have to stay focused on the stock market. I and mean, if you don't have stocks, uh, you probably don't pay any attention to that part of the news channel, right? When that, when that news report comes on, pass over that. But somebody who is a day trader is thinking about that all the time. They, they have to be, right? They have to be watching what the stocks are doing, watching what those mutual funds are doing. They have to be vigilant about that. They have to be alert about that because the stock market is their business. You know, as Christians, prayer is our business. It is something that we need to be vigilant and alert about and focused upon. Uh, prayer for the Christian is not an if I have time for it kind of thing. Uh, this is the one thing that we cannot not do and think that we will be able to live lives that honor the Lord. And we need to be spending time with the Lord every day in prayer. So let's be as intentional about that church in 2021 as we've ever 
been. So we talked about devoted prayer, talked about alert, vigilant prayer. But then the last thing Paul says at the very end of that verse, he says, let's also be thankful in prayer. He says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And I love that he ends this verse with thanksgiving because thanksgiving or, or, or gratitude should be the fragrance of our prayer life. Now, I know a lot of people love uh, candles and of course, at Christmas time, they have a lot of those different holiday scents, right? And I've seen them in the stores, right? You know, they have the gingerbread candle and uh, the Christmas cookie candle and Christmas snow. I'm not really sure what Christmas snow is supposed to smell like, but I've seen that too. Christmas snow, different, different fragrances and scents to different candles. But you know, if you picked up the candle of your prayer life and read it, the label should read gratitude. Uh, gratitude or thanksgiving should be the aroma, the fragrance that rises up from our hearts that really describes our prayer life. I know that when we pray, we ask God for things and, and we should. He says to ask, to seek, to knock. But even in the midst of that asking and seeking and knocking, our heart should be characterized by gratitude. As a believer, we don't go to God thinking that we deserve more than what we have. We go to God with a heart of gratitude that says, God, you've already given me far more than I could have ever deserved. You gave me grace the day I was saved. You've given me grace every single day since then. And I know that you've already blessed me so much beyond uh, anything that I deserve. And so let's let our prayer lives be marked by that spirit of gratitude. We've talked about the two main rhythms that make up our devotional life, the rhythm of the word, uh, the rhythm of prayer, and essentially that's what a quiet time is, right? It's, it's hearing from God, and it's talking with God. But, you know, sometimes we use that, that term, you know, a devotional time or, or a time alone with God or a quiet time. We use different names for it. But rarely do we ever actually explain what a quiet time entails, and I want to take a few minutes and, and, and just do that. I want this last few minutes just to be super practical for us. Maybe you've been a Christian for a year or, or two, and, and, and yet nobody has ever explained to you what a quiet time actually is. And so I want to share with you the seven parts of a daily quiet time with the Lord. Uh, don't worry if you're not able to write all of this down. Everything I'm about to say uh, is on this link on our website, fbcmail.info slash quiet time fbcmail.info slash quiet time. You just write that link down. Everything I'm about to share is, is right there for you. Now, of course, the seven parts of a quiet time that I'm about to share with you, you're not going to find a chapter in the Bible that lists these seven things in this order, right? In the book of Quiet Timicus, right? You're not going not to find that. Uh, and yet these seven items uh, are found in Scripture. These seven items are things that have been a blessing to believers over the centuries as they've sought to spend time with the Lord. Now, now, this isn't one of the seven, but first off, if you're going to have a daily quiet time, you need to choose a time and you need to choose a place to meet with God. And it's just like with anything else. If you say, you know, I really want to meet with God more this next year than I did last year. If you don't schedule a time for that to happen, it's not going to happen, right? It's, it's just like with anything else in life. You have to make an appointment uh, and it's an appointment with the God of the universe. That's an appointment you want to keep. 
And you have to schedule that into your life. Now, some people find that the evening is best uh, for them. I know for myself, and I think probably for most believers, the morning time seems to be that best time to meet with the Lord. I I think about the words from David in Psalm chapter 5 when he said, My voice you shall hear in the morning, Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. And there's something about starting your day by looking up and spending time with the God who made you and the God who saved you. And so let's say you've done that. You've chosen a time. You've chosen a place. You're there. Uh, You've got your Bible. You've got a notebook. Maybe if it's in the morning, you've got a cup of coffee. I know I need that. And, And now what do you do as a part of that time with the Lord? Number one, start by praying for God to speak to you. In John 16, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would teach us all things. The Spirit would remind us of the things that Jesus taught. And so when we begin our time with the Lord, we want to ask the Spirit of God to illuminate the Scripture, to shine a light on the Word of God so that we can see it, so that we can hear it, so that we can take it into our hearts and be transformed by it. So we want to start asking God to meet with us and to speak with us. Number two, you want to read a portion of the Word. That's very simple. That's what we've talked about so much uh, this morning already. And when we read, we want to read expectantly, right? We need to remember, I love Brother Larry always used to say this. When we read the Bible, we're not just meeting with a book, but we're meeting with a person. So when we read, we're expecting the God of the universe to speak to us through his word that he has given us. Now, where do you begin? I know the Bible's a big book, right? Where do you, where do you start? I would encourage you to find a Bible reading plan for you for this new year. That will work for you. Our our church has a 2021 reading plan. This year, it's on the New Testament. Uh, You can pick it up on the walls as you walk out today. You can find it on our website as well. And uh, in five days of reading a week, you can read through the New Testament this year. You can find other plans online, plans that will take you through the whole Bible in a year, uh, plans that will take you chronologically through the Bible in a year. You can customize a plan for yourself, but find a reading plan that works for you and just begin. And, uh, and I'd encourage you with this as well. If you fall behind on your reading plan, can I just encourage you, you're not the first Christian in the history of the world to fall behind on their Bible reading plan. All right. And in fact, I, I think the first five times I tried to read through the Bible when I was a teenager, I got stuck in Leviticus every single year. Leviticus just killed me every year. And, and maybe that's happened to you or you just got stuck. And let me encourage you, if you get stuck and you fall behind, just ignore the dates and just keep going. Maybe it takes you a year and a half to get through the plan. Maybe it takes you two years to get through the plan. Just keep going. Right? Don't say, well, you know, it's March. I guess I'll just wait nine months and try again, you know, next January, right? No, just keep on going, staying in the Word. Uh, number three, choose a verse or two from what you've read and meditate on it. Think about it. You, you don't want to just, you know, finish your reading and close the Bible and check the box for that day and just move on your way without thinking about what you have read. Um, there's a, an individual, Donald Whitney, who uh, uses illustration of, of a tea bag, dipping a tea bag in water. You know, if you just dip a tea bag in water for a couple seconds and take it out, it's still pretty much going to taste like water. But if you leave that tea bag in the water for a longer period of time, it begins to taste like tea. It's the same way with the Word of God. When you allow the Word of God to stay in your mind for a longer period of time and you think about what you have read, now your mind is being affected and beginning to have the fragrance and the aroma of the Word of God that you have read. And so think about uh, that portion of Scripture and what God would have you do with it. And then number four, write something down. 
write down insights that he laid on your heart from that scripture. Maybe write down a, a little prayer. You can get a journal for $5 from the store. Keep that with your Bible. That's your quiet time journal. Put a date at the top every day. Maybe just write down the scripture verse that, that you read that stood out to you. That's great. You can look back and see the scriptures each day that week that stood out to you. Again, maybe write a prayer down, an insight down there and capture that thought. Number five, certainly a part of our time with God is to pray. We've talked a lot about that this morning. Uh, certainly we have a lot of things to pray about. We have a lot of people in our lives to pray for. But we need to remember, of course, that prayer is not only about praying for things. It's about spending time with God. A very simple acrostic that I learned years and years ago is just the, the word Acts, the book of the Bible named Acts. Those four letters represent four parts of a prayer life. You start with the letter A, it represents adoration. We want to start by praising God, just telling God about his greatness and who he is in our life. And then C is for confession. Every day we should be asking God to search our heart, reveal sin in our life, confess that sin to him, receive his forgiveness, that there's nothing between us and the Lord that hasn't been confessed. And T is for thanksgiving. We talked about that, to thank the Lord for what he's done in our life. And then the S is supplication. This is where we ask God for things for ourselves, things for our family, our church, others that he's laid on our heart to pray for. And then number six, uh, this isn't necessarily something that everybody does in their quiet time, but I found it to be super encouraging, and it's to take a few minutes and just to worship, to worship. Uh, some of you are great singers, and you have no problem singing a song to the Lord, uh, but you know, when it comes to your quiet time, it, it's kind of like singing in the shower. Everybody's a great singer in the shower, right? Because nobody's listening to you. And it's the same thing when it comes to your quiet time. Everybody is a great quiet time singer because it's just you and God. And he loves to hear your heart worshiping and lifting up praise to him. And maybe some days you just want to pull up a song on your phone, though. Listen to, listen to a worship song and sing along with it. And just take a minute, the start of your day, to just praise God, just you and him. And then number seven, lastly, this isn't technically part of the quiet time, but it's, it's something that you can do after your quiet time. And that is to share something that God has showed you with somebody else. Share something God's shown you with somebody else. Again, as you pray about a verse, maybe God lays a friend on your heart, maybe your spouse, I don't know who it might be that day, that God just impresses upon you. They could really use this, this word, this, this verse that you've read. You can send them a text, call them, say, this is what God has laid on my heart. Pass along that encouragement to somebody else from what God has shown you. All right, so with everything that I have shared with you, here, here's a final question to think about before we're through. What is one thing that you can do this week to establish a healthier rhythm of devotion to God in 2021? I don't know where everybody is at the start of this new year. I'm pretty sure, though, that no matter where you are, no matter how many years that you have been a Christian, that there's at least one thing that you can do to have a healthier rhythm of meeting with God. Maybe it's just striving to be more consistent in 2021. Maybe it is uh, waking up a little earlier and carving out some more time for prayer uh, during the day. Uh, maybe it's adding one of these seven elements that we just talked about that hasn't historically been a part of your time with the Lord, but you're going to add that this year as a part of that time with him. You know, maybe for somebody here though, you would say, you know, pastor, I, I've been a Christian for a year uh, or maybe two or three years. Uh, but th th what you're talking about today just has not been a part of, of my life, my Christian life to this point. I've been coming to church. I go to a small group Bible study. But I I've never had kind of my own time with God like you've been describing. 
And if that's the case, here's my challenge for you. I want to encourage you to take the 28-day challenge. Now, they say that it takes about 28 days to form a new habit in your life. And there's 28 days starting tomorrow to the end of the month of January. Exactly. And so what if you took the rest of the month of January and you said this, by God's grace, I want to make it my aim to read the word of God and to pray every day for the next 28 days. That's it. And, and, and friend, I, I hope you hear me. There, there is nothing that you can do. And, I, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that. There is literally nothing that you can do that will make a bigger difference in your spiritual life than this, than developing this habit of meeting with your God every day, hearing his word, talking with him. I know a lot of people make New Year's resolutions at the start of every year. There is no more important New Year's resolution than you can make than that, saying, Lord, this year I'm going to spend part of every day in your presence hearing from you. I want to ask you to stand with me, and I just want to pray for us. I want to pray for those specifically who are uh, maybe making this commitment today on this first Sunday of the year, this 28-day commitment. But I want to pray for all of us as well, that this year uh, in the Word of God would be the sweetest and the richest year that we've had uh, of meeting with God. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you and we praise you that we can come into your presence and hear from you. Father, you are the God of heaven and earth. You are the one who made it all and you say that everything you have made is just the work of your fingertips. And you are so high and transcendent above us. Father, you are glorious. Your word says you dwell in inapproachable light and yet, Father, you invite us to approach. You invite us to spend time with you. You tell us that you want to meet with us individually every day, that you want to hear from us, that you want to speak to us. Father, remind us today what a unimaginable privilege it is to be able to meet with you. We know it's only because of the blood of Jesus that covers our sins that we can, we can come into your presence as your sons and your daughters. And so God, this year, help us not to neglect that privilege. Father, may we be faithful. May every day find us with you in 2021. Lord, would you help us to think more and more biblically. Father, so many voices in this world that are filled with so many lies. Father, help us to hear your voice of truth. And may your word tie us and anchor us to your, your will, your purpose for our life, for our family, for our church. This year, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.